Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors. Real contractors, true stories, real solutions. Hey, if this is your first time here and you got some value from this episode, at the end, do us a favor, leave us a review and share it with another contractor, see if it can help them out. Also, we want to remind you about our free Facebook group where you can interact with other like-minded contractors. Uh, It's called the Contractor Profit Group. Lots of great conversations happening in there. Or if you're just tired of being sick and tired, missing kids' games and working all the time, check out our paid coaching group called the Profit Club. We have weekly coaching calls and training videos, all kinds of great stuff happening in there. Lives are being changed. If you want to find out more information about that, check out hammerandgrind.com forward slash the Profit Club. And Eric, today's episode is really important. I think ego suppression. Dude, where did that sexy new intro come from? What the heck happened, bro? What? what? <laughs> Dang. Liking that, man. Ego suppression. This this is an important one to me. This is this is a, a big deal. Uh, what's on your mind? Ego suppression. So I'm actually uh, currently reading a book called uh, The Social Engineer. Don't ask me who it's from because I don't remember. But uh, it's got some really good stuff in there. And they were talking about ego suppression. And uh, I just thought it would be a fun topic to talk about because I, I do see this happening a lot. You you I see it a lot in Facebook threads. And usually it's it's uh, revolves around the post about this customer is being ridiculous and you know how do I deal with them? And then all the other contractors are like, yeah, f them, man, get rid of them. They're not your customer. They're pieces of crap. You know, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. Just get rid of them. And you look at it and you kind of get a little bit of a hint of, uh, wait a minute, you know. There's some validity in what this customer is saying or doing, and you're just totally ignoring that. And I think you got a lot more fault in this than what you're leading on to believe. Sure, sure, for sure. Listen, can I call you out just a little bit? Yes. Yeah, I'm just like, I mean, are you actually reading the book or are you listening to the book? It's a big difference. And, and I and and this is not just a total call out on you because this is an actual different topic because. For whatever reason, I like to touch the book. I like to read the book. I like to crinkle the pages, fold something. And something I I actually look up to you a little bit on is like when you're in the truck, you're like listening to books. And I think it's important for people to realize that that's what you do a lot. I know you read books too, but you listen to a lot of books. Is that true? Uh, it is. I, I First of all, I don't like reading at all. I never have liked physically reading. Now, as I get older, I, I'm able to do it more often, especially if it's a topic that I want to read about. But I do listen to a lot of books because it's I, there's several reasons, and we're kind of going on a rabbit hole. But I'm 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 perfectly welcome to to do this, but because I also think this is important as well. But one, I can kill two birds with one stone, right? Like this weekend, I got another match I'm going to. It's a three hour drive. I will be listening to a book the entire way. 
up three hours up, three hours back. That's six hours I can listen to almost one book on that trip. Right? So yeah, yeah, that that's, is a, that's crazy. That is an easy way to double down on your knowledge, if you will. But yeah, it, 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 I don't listen to as many books now as I used to. Um, usually because you're blowing my phone up all the time when you're driving and I got to respond to it. But <laughs> but no, I, I do like listening to books. And th- I am listening to this book. Now, here's the thing, uh, Eric. Some of these books are really, um, there's like lots of great information. There's visuals in there. And so I, a lot of times I'll buy an audio book, the audible version of it. And then if I really like it or if there's something, I will also buy the hard copy version of it. So I'll buy the same book twice. Yeah, I, lo- I love books with pictures. I'm sure you do. Ones that have shapes and numbers in them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, th- this is important because we want people to consume knowledge. We want people to to take in that stuff. So I got to tell you, like, you know, we Brad and I just, if you, for those of you who know, we just, we got back from a trip. He was on a competition in Colorado. I drove out to Colorado. It was like 10 and a half, 11 hours to get there. And so... Dude, that's like two books. You could have literally read or listened to two books the whole trip. I no, I realized that I did consume a handful of podcasts, some that like really moved me, and that like those podcasts moved me. Like I like that audio thing, and I got to be hundred percent transparent. I don't think I've ever listened to an audio book, but I've listened to hours and hours and hours of like really powerful podcasts. They move me, right? So, anyways, I think I know we're going down a rabbit hole, but I want to be clear with that. Whatever. Whatever moves you, whether it's video content, audio content, paper, reading the book content, like you should be consuming stuff. So I wanted to be clear on that. So, but you know, like a lot of, I, I, I get a lot of work done listening to Lamb of God. I'm not going to bullshit. I was literally going to say you probably spent 10 hours listening to the radio. That's probably what you did. No, I don't listen to the radio, bro. Well, the, CDs, tapes. MP3s, whatever you got, that's it's music that's being played. That's listening to the radio. Same okay. thing. Well, like, how old are you, bro? This is like, like we listen to MP3 now. Eight so listen, you, you probably got eight tracks in there, don't you? <laughs> so this is the thing. I um, the way my mind works, and I think this is important to talk about. We'll go into the ego suspension, but the way my mind works, like I can have music on, whether it's country or Lamb of God or whatever, and like my mind is ticking and I'm thinking about and I'm processing like things I want to do. And it's just like this, the, the rhythm in my head. Like, it's like, that's, that's the way my mind is ticking. And I might not even hear the music, just the beat. I might not hear the lyrics, but in my mind, I'm like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I want to accomplish this. I want to do this. I want to go that. that. That's kind of the way that my mind works. Well, there's science behind that actually. A lot of times if I'm listening and I get into a zone, I'll put headphones on, especially if there's noise going on around me. And it won't be, I won't be listening to music. It'll be like that foo-foo music that you might listen to in a coffee shop or something where it's just instrumental. You know what I mean? Like I listen yeah, yeah. to stuff that's like for specifically sure. designed for uh, focusing. It's like weird music that I would never, ever listen to like in a car or anywhere else. Well, that that for me is Lamb of God. I just want to let you know. I know we're not officially sponsored by Lamb of God or anything, but I just want to <laughs> let you know, like that's the way I Shoot think. Shoot some free tickets over, man. All right, so ego suspension. What does that mean? Well, uh, a lot of contractors, uh, and we, we've talked about this and touched on this a little bit, Eric, over the podcast, but you know, it's the guy that needs to have the $70,000 lifted truck 
that could be a form of ego, if you will. It's the guys that have to uh, talk about how awesome they are when they're on a sales call. I mean, that's that's ego and that's, you know, suppressing it. So I, I want to do something though before I forget. We got a little tangent with your audio, audible books. And it it's important though. It's important. So go ahead. So the Webster's Dictionary of Ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Self-esteem or self-importance. Okay. Now, there's another thing here. It says it's a psychoanalysis. I don't, I've never seen this before, but it was interesting as well. It says it's the part of the mind that meditates between the conscious and the unconsciousness and is responsible for the real, for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. So the, the, the mediates between conscious and unconsciousness. So this is, this is really important and I want to talk about this. So the difference between an ego, a lot of people don't know they have an ego, right? They're unconscious about their ego. Uh, others are very conscious about their ego, kind of braggadocious, if you will. And there's really two different aspects of that. And I think if you're, if you're conscious of, of your ego and you don't do anything to suppress that, then you're probably going to struggle with this podcast and you're probably not going to be the type of person that's going to want to change this. But you may be unconscious about your ego and the, those, you guys are the ones that we're definitely talking to because it comes across in your sales calls and you don't even realize it. That's crazy. I had a uh, I had a contractor that I knew, and I, he was a one upper. You know, like it didn't matter. Like it, it one up everything, right? So I don't even know that he did it on. I don't even know that he knew he was doing it. You know what I mean? I really believe that he didn't know that. Um, so I knew. I know people do it unconsciously, and I know people do it consciously for sure. Do you ever watch? You ever watch those? Competition shows, the like American Idol or the X Factor. You ever watch any of those? Absolutely, love love American Idols. Hilarious. You ever had? You ever know when you have like um, a singer come on? What was the guy's name? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget now. That won a couple of years, a few years ago. Uh, uh, Alejandro's. Did you see him? I, I don't remember him. I'm Dude, looking go, it up tonight, promise. <laughs> go watch those videos. Go watch the audition tape of Alejandros. And um, he's just one of those guys that comes in super insanely talented with a guitar and a piano, right? But like literally has no idea how awesome he is. Like he's just under the radar and, you know, the judges are just completely blown away. When, you, when you're like that on the phone, like... When you're so good, but you don't even realize it, meaning your ego is not taking over, you're you're gonna you're gonna impress people in a way that's not even that you're not even trying to do. If that makes sense at all, it's crazy. You took that direction with 100 percent transparency. I I thought you were gonna go the direction of that that singer that comes on and they think they're the shit. They think they're like they're better than anyone on the planet and then they sing and like you're putting your hands over your ears like holding like oh my god i can't stand one more one more octave from this person one more note i'll just want to die and so it's funny how you took it in the opposite direction i was thinking completely different well i mean you know when when someone is awesome and like they don't even realize they're awesome it just makes it even better 
right? Like you, like you, now you're, sure. you, you want them to win. You're cheering yeah. for them because it's like, maybe they have low self-esteem. Maybe they just, they're really good singers or act, you know, whatever their, their skill is. And they just don't realize it. They've never been exposed to it. Do you think that could be played? What's that? Do you think they could be like, I'm so awesome. I'm going to blow their minds. And they go on stage and like, I just, I, I don't think I'm that good, but you, oh, know, you mean like, like faking it. Yeah. Do you think they, they uh, could play no. that? Do you think they could play that? There's, no. there's a level of authenticity that you can like read into. Like, I think it's in, innate in us. Like we can, we can read into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who was the girl that was a ukulele girl? She was like 12 or 13 years old that won it several years ago. I don't remember. Uh, she was awesome. I loved her. I mean, I love watching her do her thing. So, I mean, I think when you're younger like that, they don't even really know. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's they're faking it, but it certainly could be. So, what's that got to do with ego suppression? So, th- this comes to, for me, it's humility. Like, And so, this is really important, Brad. And I don't know that you know I take this direction, but I think some people mistake confidence for arrogance. And so, ego and arrogance is like, polar opposites, right? So, but I think when some people are, are confident yet humble, I think some people who are weak-minded and, and don't have this, like just weak-minded people, they can go, oh, this guy's totally full of himself. You know, he's misogynistic. He's like, a, he thinks, he thinks he's the shit, right? But there's a, there's a level of confidence and humility. Like there's a really weird balance there. So, I mean, I, I, this is something I struggle with for sure. You know, and I, I, I've been called cocky many, 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 many times in my life. Probably by people listening to this podcast. Oh, that Brad, he's freaking cocky bastard or whatever. But there, like you said, there's a level of confidence. And a lot of that comes from being in the Marines. You know, obviously, Marines are the best. You can't even argue that. <laughs> <laughs> Here we I'm go. Just, I'm just kidding. But no, I mean there's a certain level of confidence, right? And if if you know me like well enough, if I'm talking about something that I'm pretty confident in, I'm going to be very opinionated and direct about it, which is going to come off as cocky, right? Assertive. I, assertive, yeah. If if I'm talking about something that I really have no idea about, I'll just like, I'll keep my mouth shut and I'll ask questions. So it's not like I'm, I'm cocky all the time about everything or confident all the time about everything. It's just the things that I'm confident about. Just I most mean, of the time, right, Brad? Most of the time. <laughs> but like, if we start talking about guns and stuff like we did last week, you know, I'm very confident in what I'm talking about. Um, if we're talking about how to build a pond, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Like, I have no clue. So I'd like to think myself as fairly humble, uh, but very confident in certain things. And I definitely, definitely 100% have been accused of being arrogant on certain things. And it's just because I think, I think some people that have a low self-esteem or low self-confidence, they get into a victim mentality kind of mindset and they, they don't know how to, they don't know how to handle someone who's very confident in certain things. And so like they would be like, Oh, this guy's an asshole. He's totally cocky. Whatever. I'm like, I'm not cocky. I'm not cocky. I'm passionate about this, and I know it really well, and I'm excited to talk about it. But I still want to learn. Like, if you could teach me something about what I'm love, dude, I'm be the first in line to 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 take notes. So there's like this. 
I, I think it I think it takes from the person. It's very important how the person perceives you and if if they're willing to take it, take on information. I think that's an important factor. Well, there's a certain level here. And I just I was thinking about this when because you said this. Like if I were to go take a class on shooting, now I'm I'm not the best shooter on the on place of the planet. As a matter of fact, I just finished eleventh place in my division at the national championship, which to me is terrible. Like for me, it's a bad performance. Others would be like, wow, man, that's 11th place in the nation. That's great. Um, but if I go take a class, it doesn't matter if it's competition or self-defense, tactical, whatever. If I go to that class, before I go there, I will purposely like tell myself, okay, you're going to come in with a beginner's mindset. Like You're not going to come in with someone who knows already knows how to draw or whatever. And even if they tell me to do something like completely technique that goes 100% against what I've trained with and done and believe that it's not, you know, works well, I will still go through what they tell me because I want to experience that. But I have to purposely do that. I, I, I don't just go in there and just naturally learn it. If it's something that I've been doing, like I said, confident in, I have to purposely tell myself not to do it. And, and it is hard for me sometimes if I'm doing something where even the people that are teaching it's almost blatantly obvious that they don't know as much about this particular thing that I do. Then I have to really force myself not, you know, to humble myself to not want to like blow it off. So it is a conscious effort sometimes. The other times, like if I'm on a sales call with someone, that's more of an unconscious effort. An unconscious effort to what? To suppress my ego. Okay, because I just want to be clear on that as we talk about Because, you know, in the last podcast, it's interesting because we were riffing on something and I was going one direction. And then I made like, I don't remember what I, I don't remember exactly how to say it. I don't, I don't think it's important. But I said one thing and it was like satire, like it wasn't even really true. And it's like actually 100% opposite of what I would want to do. And then you you like interjected something and we went a different direction. And so it could come off as if, I said that the wrong way, if you know what I mean. So sometimes when we play that that satire thing, if we don't complete the sentence, it doesn't come off right. So I wanted to make I wanted to be clear on that because that's something I did in the last podcast. No, I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, so you know, being conscious or unconscious with my ego suppression. So you know, there's the four levels uh, of learning something. It's the unconscious incompetent, right? And then you have the conscious, competent, or conscious, incompetent. And then you have unconscious or conscious, competent. And then you have unconscious competency. You know what I'm talking You ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's kind of like that when you're, when, what we're talking about here. So there's times where I don't even have to think about it, especially when I'm on a sales call. I already know because I've done so many role plays. I, I know I'm, I'm unconsciously competent in that I'm I'm going to be able to suppress my ego and that's not going to be an issue whatsoever. There are other times where I'm going to have to be very conscious about it and make sure that I don't do it. But I think contractors, they don't spend any time thinking. Of, and half the people listening to this probably haven't even thought about this before. And why, you know, why should I even think about it? Like what's the ramifications if I am, uh, if I do have an ego talking to a customer? Like those things are probably nothing that they've ever thought about or come across their mind before. Yeah, for sure. And th this is really important because, you know, you, you're going into a learning environment. 
so you you like suppress your ego, you suppress your knowledge, you supp- like you just take that whole level down so you can take in. You're open to receive, right? And I think what's really interesting is like, okay, you're paying for some teaching, some training, some courses, right? So when you have like money invested into this, it's very easy for you to go like, hey, I just need to like shut off my ego, who I am, and just I paid a lot of money and I want to see what I can learn from this person. There's that kind of uh, approach to it. But the cool thing about it is like, you know, when I go to a, a Koi Club meeting or to I go to a bonsai uh, convention or whatever, I like take that, that confidence, which is borderline ego, that ego confidence. I take it what I know, I put it in my pocket and I like tone everything down. I go in with that open mindset and I want to learn, right? So for me in that learning environment, I know I'm going into an environment where I can meet beginners and advanced people and experts and masters. And like, I'm just going to go in 100% open and try and learn. It's a different when you like pay, like you said, I'm going to pay for this course. I'm going to come in and learn. But wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be unbelievable if like you could just go through life like that and just have the ego in your pocket and just be open to learn all the time? And then when you're like, okay, I got to pull my ego out of my pocket and like shut someone down and go like, no, this is how we do it. This is what's right. This is, this is what's respectable. This is integrity. This is discipline. And then you can, then you can apply your knowledge and with, with confidence slash ego. Right. So there's really a balance of like when to use it, when to not to use it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, depends on who you're, who the people you're with, you know, who you're talking to or who you're around. I mean, when I get around my high school buddies and we're hanging out, like the ego starts flying crazy, right? A lot of that is like, I'm almost living up to the character that they've created me to be, if that makes sense. Like six I'm wild. Foot six cocky yeah. Brad Hibner. What's up, everybody? <laughs> this is Brad Hibner. <laughs> <laughs> so... And I know a couple of them listen to my podcast too, but I mean, that's true. Like, you know, it's kind of like, that's not how I am by myself one-on-one. But when I get around all my buddies, then it's kind of crazy, Brad, uh, which we have, we have a ton of fun. So, and, and I live up to it. I own up to that too, that uh, cockiness, if you will. But I think it's important here that we, that we shift to the customer and the sales process and how this affects the sales process. Because... You know, you don't want to be the expert. You really don't. And I know that's like super counterintuitive to like, well, they're calling me because I'm the expert. Yes, you are the expert, but you don't want to come across as being the expert in in the sense of cockiness or with an ego. You want to come across as someone who is understanding and, you know, passionate about what you do and their project, but not the expert in the sense of, well, you're calling me because I'm the best there is. You know, like the Talladega Nights. I wake up and piss excellence. Like that's not the type of I'm way the best you there be ever was. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I had a, a really, really cool um consultation today on a property with with a um some prospects. And they were a really neat couple. And, you know, I just went in there with you know, some humility and excitement and they're just, I was there as a consultant to help. And it's, it's really interesting because 
I know because of the profit sales system and the way I communicate with my clients and, and connect with them, I, I really had a really good sense of who these people were. Even before I went to the property, they were already paying me 500 bucks to be there. Like I'm the expert and they paid me 500 bucks to be there as the expert. But I went there, I was just like open, ego low, what can I do to help? How are you hoping I can help? This kind of this kind of approach, and the they were very they were very savvy and smart and and on top of things, and it was really cool because there was a wife and a husband there and eight kids, eight kids like that's crazy, right? And she's like, I've done a lot of research. I've done this. I've done that. I've done this, and I think I think most contractors. To push that back, they were like, oh, she's done a lot of research. I got to prove myself, right? I, was, I wasn't that way at all. I was like, oh, cool. Well, what have you learned? Like, what, what have you, what, like, tell me more about the research you've done and, and like, where you've landed, you know, on, on what you want to do. I didn't, I didn't, like, use that as a defense mechanism. Like, I think, I think most contractors are programmed that. Or, and so, the ego suspension for me, I was just like, tell me about the research. Tell me what you're liking. Tell me what you're feeling. And then we just had this really great conversation. And then I was able to like insert my my feelings, my expertise, my suggestions without being egotistical, without being overbearing. It was just a conversation. It wasn't me trying to justify like, Look, I know you've done a lot of research, but I'm the expert in this area, and this is how we're going to do it, right? So, like, that's the, that's the conversation we had. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, because, like you said, you could have easily, um, you know, pushed back. And I think that's, you know, where where would be? Let me ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot, Eric. If there was one part of a conversation, one objection that you received from a customer that would really trigger your ego, what do you think that one objection would be? It would probably be like some kind of like as if I wasn't qualified. That would probably like really fire me up. I would like punch him in the face, kick him in the throat. You know, like if, if, if you know, I mean, that, that's, I mean, I'm being honest. Like I've been doing it a long time and I, I feel like if they felt like I wasn't qualified to do the job, I would have been like, I already, I would have told you I'm not qualified. I wouldn't even be here right now if I wouldn't feel, if I didn't feel like I could help you. So like that would really fire me up. Well, that's interesting. That wasn't the response I was looking for, but that's interesting that you would say that. And I'm I'm gonna guess that that probably hasn't happened hardly at all, if ever. Right. But what's what's the other one that a lot of contractors get, like almost on a regular basis? There's one type of objection that we hear all the time that may potentially fire up a contractor. Well, that's a lot of money. That's too. That's way more money than I planned on spending. That's not it either. Well, this is does this tell me what it is? I mean, but but so I'm getting three estimates. Well, I mean that that's part of it. I mean that that's kind of leading to it. Like, oh wow, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to get three estimates. So that's that's the if sometimes if you feel if the client feels you're too expensive, they'll just say, oh well, I want to get a couple more ex- estimates. They're going to kind of lie to you. They're not going to say, bro, that's way more than I plan on spending. They would just say. Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate your time. I'm going to get a couple more estimates, and and then uh, you know I'll, I'll make a decision later. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, but there are also times where people would say, "I'm getting three estimates," or "I'm getting two more estimates," or whatever it is. And that's one that's one area where I've seen contractors really lose it. 
Well, of course. I mean, of course, they want to, they want to start to justify why they're the right person. They start to defend, right? So for me, I just like, you know, I, I want to encourage them to go get more estimates because I feel like with the profit sales system and the way I communicate with clients, like no one's going to be able to communicate and have the empathy and tactical empathy that I would have towards their project. So I almost encourage that. But I think by default, I know where you're going with this now, is they the ego comes in like, oh, well, you don't want to go to ABC Ponds. Those guys are total hack jobs. And and XYZ pawns, they, they they never deliver what they promise. And and they start to they start to do that kind of shit. It's terrible. Well, yeah, I mean that happens too. But a lot of times it becomes defensive or justification. You know, well, I mean I mean if you I guess if you're gonna get other, you know, other bids, but you know, I'm I'm the best there ever is, ever was, ever will be. <laughs> I'll wake up in piss excellence. <laughs> Those guys can't touch me. Well, that is, that is, that, I mean, I mean, that's a great example, Brad. I'm glad you brought that up of, of contractors. They feel like they need to, they need, they feel like they need to over vet themselves over the competition. And I think done, like, I think the way that most contractors would do it is really, it backfires and more than, more often than not. Well, and that's what I mean. Like if you if you learn to suppress the ego and you start asking questions in lieu of getting fired up, you know, oh, that, yeah, absolutely. I understand. Just out of curiosity, um, you know, what are you hoping to hear from other contractors that you didn't hear from me? Are, right? you, tr- are you dropping word tracks, bro? So if your ego was in place, ego engaged, then you're not going to ask that question because you're going to go on the defensive, Right. So, but instead of suppressing that ego and now becoming curious, why? Why are you getting three bids? Why are you looking for other contractors? Am I the first one? Am I the third one? You know, what's, what's going on? There's so much more information you can get out of it simply by suppressing your ego in, the, in a situation like that and, and asking more questions. You know, I, I love the saying, seek first to understand and then be understood. I love that quote. So in that case, you know, understand why. Why are you getting three bids? It may have nothing to do with you whatsoever. It may just be that's what their parents always told them to do. Their dad always says, you always get three bids no matter what. You always get three bids and pick the middle. Well, I want to know that because maybe now I need to shatter a, um, you know, a saying that they grew up knowing from their dad. Maybe I need to shed some light on that as to why that may not be the best, you know, the best thing to do. But if I just activate ego immediately and respond out of frustration, then I'm going to miss all of that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I mean, I think it's a cool topic, and so it's interesting because you know I want to I want to like I want to move towards some of the members in our group, and I you know and I know I know one of the members is going to listen to this podcast and say triplets talking about me. I know it, right? But it's funny because. Sometimes I'm wrong and I, I we have members come in. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be egotistical. It's going to be hard to like, it's going to be hard to train them. It's going to be hard. I don't know if they're going to be coachable and like they blow my mind. And so it's, it's cool when, when I read that wrong and, and that makes me really happy. But, um, you know, when, when you invest money into bettering yourself, it, there's a really, there's a real click where you take that ego, you put it in your pocket and, and like, and you go in for it. Right. So, I bet I would like to think that 
if the member that I'm talking about and he knows who I'm talking about, if he wouldn't have made an investment into the group to be better on himself financially, he might not have like, he might not have opened up enough like and been vulnerable enough to really take it on to go like, okay, cool. I, I'll take that constructive criticism. I'm going to apply it and see how it works for me. And so I think, I think that ego suspension is really critical in, in learning and like, you almost have to be in the gutter enough to want to get better. There's, there's certain people that can be like, I just want to get better. I'm going to pay. I'm going to get coaching. I'm going to, you know, join a group or whatever. And they just naturally do that. But other people, like, they have to be in the gutter enough. And I think that's me. I'm a little bit proud, a little bit macho. It's like, I almost have to be in the gutter deep enough, my knuckles scraping across the ground to be like, I, w- I want some help. I'm, I'm going to invest. I'm going to put in enough to where I can bring the humility up and the ego in and learn. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of the saying too, of uh, don't be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, I know. That's, that's why I'm in the room with you. Well, that's why I'm in the room with you. No, that, that, that's why I'm in the room with you. I know. That's why I'm in the room with you. No, no, no. I'm the dumb one. You're the smart one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's, that's the same as what you're talking to your customers. You don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. And I, again, I know that sounds counterintuitive, right? But here's the thing I learned. Uh, we learned this too, Eric, you and I both. Anytime you're getting any kind of coaching, anytime you're learning something new that you've never learned before, it's always going to be counterintuitive because you've never learned it before. It's so cool that you said this, Brad, because this woman, she was sharp. You know, she was she was super sharp, and she'd been do, doing a lot of research. You know when you know when the client's like, "Yeah, I've been doing some research," and you're like, "You don't know shit. You didn't. You didn't. You watched one video. You you don't know what the shit you're talking about. You can just tell by the words that are spewing out of their mouth." This woman that I saw today, she was sharp, man. She knew about regeneration zones and aquatic plant life, and like she was like I could just tell by listening to her that. She knew what the hell she was talking about. So I didn't go in there like, I'm the smartest dude. I'm so experienced. I'm like, I went in there as like, hey, how can I help you? And then I just went in there sharing my experience of, you know, of, of how to validate what she, the research she's done. It's, it's, it's almost like she'd done the research, but she had no street experience. It was all like computer experience. And so when she spouted out her, computer experience, I correlated that back to my, my, my in the field experience. And I was like, oh, from my experience, this is what I see. And I think that's a good idea. You know, so I, I wasn't in there like, I'm smarter than you. I was in there humble, open, how can I help? And I, I was like, you're smarter than me. You've done all the research. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. You, and I don't think, and here's a, it is a little bit of a fine line. Like you don't want to come across as being incompetent at all, because that's not good at all. But you don't want to be, uh, like you said, letting your ego flare up and tell her why you're smarter than her than she is. Oh, well, you know about filters? Well, uh, I well, know more about- Let me tell about, you something. I know more about filters than you do. I've put in 176 filters. How many have you put in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's stupid. I mean, it was just like, I was taking her, like, she would say, this is what I've studied. And I was like, hey, I can validate that because from my experience, this is what happens when you do this. 
And she was like, oh, cool. Like it almost validated her research, right? And there was a couple of times I was like, well, um, from my experience, I don't know if I 100% agree with that because this is what I've learned in from what I've done in the field over the past you know, decade of, of, of doing that, right? And so I just gave her the, the data and she was like, okay, okay, that makes sense. And so like we're having a conversation. It wasn't my ego trying to make myself overpower her and like make myself feel dominant, right? It was just like, hey, we're having a conversation. How can I help you? This, this, you know, this is the data that I have to back up your research. Yeah, I've, I've had customers like that where they've, you know, either they, they're, they're in the industry in some capacity, so they understand language and all that, or they've done their research enough that they're, you know, competent. I mean, we had a, I said I'd never do a door again, but we had a door. I had my subcontractor install a door today and the customer ordered the doors, which usually for me, that's like a major never, never going to do. Sounds like a disaster but already. It, yeah. But my guy went out there and he was like, yeah, he, you know, the bottom door was actually a, I forget what it was. It was like a five and some weird, weird depth, five and seven eights or something like that. And usually customers like 99 out of a hundred times will never they never know that to order a door. And it was, and the guy did, he ordered the right size jam. He actually ordered the right size door for the opening. So it was like, Oh, this guy's competent enough to, to do that. But when you have customers like that, it's actually fun because now you can actually have a conversation about things that most people would never understand. And so therefore you would never really have that conversation. You know, if they're talking about, I forget what you said that she was uh, studying, but if you're talking about like the ecosystem stuff and, you know, 99 out of 100 people will never fully understand any of the ecosystem stuff, but she does, then you can actually have like an intelligent conversation with her, but not in a conversation where you're trying to show her up that you know more than she does. Yeah, I mean, that that's a perfect example because um, she had done more research than her husband and she believed, like her husband was like, Hey, what's the ratio to this, that, the other? I was thinking it would be this. And then the wife was like, oh, no, like it doesn't have to be that. And so now I was like, okay, I have to make the correction here and either side with the wife or side with the husband, right? So I had to go in and show my experience of, in the field of both different ways. And I, I, I presented in such a fashion with humility, not ego. I suppressed my ego to go like, well, look, this is this is my experience and this is my peers' experience and this is what they're doing in Europe. And I believe for this application, you know, we could go this way or that way. And then it was just it was just delivering knowledge. It was just delivering that like, hey, this is the data. You know, you take it how you want. This is what I did. I didn't say, oh, well, I've done it this way and this is how it needs to be. I was like, I've done it all these different ways. And however we feel this works best for you is, is how we should go. And I didn't side with the husband or the wife. And they both looked at me like, okay, cool. Like you, you protected me. Like they both looked at me at the same time and like, oh, thanks for protecting me. It was crazy. It was, it was only because I had ego suppression. It's because you're awesome, Eric. I'm an I personality. I want both of them to like me. I'm like, oh my God, I have to make a decision. One's going to like me or the other. What can I do? to make them both like me at the same time and prove both of them right and both of them wrong. It's I personality coming out, bro. See, I would have, I would have made a joke 
of something of like, okay, well, I got to make one of you mad now. Which which one should it be, or something like that? I, I don't know the situation, but I would have made light of the situation first, and then done, you know, give give my opinion on whatever. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of this, Brad. It's like we have different different personalities to communicate. The disc profile, you know, we communicate differently with different people, right? And and the wife was a little more I personality. The husband was a little more. Mm, I'd say S. And so like we were just communicating. And so that's the beauty about this process and understanding profit sales systems and the way to talk to clients and suppressing egos. You know, I mean, some of this is going to come naturally to some people and some people have to work harder at at things, you know, right? So... Yeah, absolutely. You know what the... You know what the the universal language though that it doesn't matter what what it is it's gonna be it's gonna work for every language. You know what that is? I'm thinking this through. Is it music? Is it Lamb of God? What no. is it? What is it? It's silence. Okay. It's listening. Sure, active listening. It's the universal language. If you can suppress your ego long enough to keep your mouth shut and let them talk and tell you what's important to them, then you are speaking the universal language. Of silence. Of silence. Speaking the universal language of not speaking. Is that the end of the podcast? I I don't know. Do you have anything (laughs) else you want to say? (laughs) No, I, this was a fun, I, I really want to talk about this. I think it's super important. I think a lot of people struggle with this and don't even realize it. You know what I mean? And by the way, if you try to have these conversations via text, it's going to be way worse. Way, way worse. A lot of times ego comes out in text, even more so than what you think. So if you uh, want to know, do this, record your next sales call. Some states are different. Some are two-person notification. Some are one. Depends. But honestly, if I'm just recording it for my own purposes and I'm never going to display it with anyone, um, I would just record it anyways. And uh, listen, listen to it again. Listen to the conversation and you will be surprised uh, what you sound like because it's nothing like what you think you sound like on the phone. Well, that's true, but also self-evaluation after your phone call. Like, if you if you think about what you're saying as you're saying it, and you're kind of taking notes, you're like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if that made sense. I maybe shouldn't have said that." I say that sometimes. I say something, I'm like, "Ooh, I, I maybe should have said that." Happens all the time, and so self-awareness is super powerful. And if you're super egotistical, you might not have self-awareness, and I think that's a critical, critical point we should talk about. Well, I mean, if they're not aware, then we're not going to be able to make them aware unless they listen. By now, they already stopped listening to the podcast because they got pissed off because we challenged their ego. (laughs) Take us out of here, Eric. Hey, thank you so much for paying attention to the podcast tonight. We really, really appreciate your attention. We want you to do your part of making the world a better place and sharing this podcast with some contractors, buddies of yours so we can help 
shed light on ways to make better experiences for our clients, customers, and prospects. And of course, if you want to take your business to the next level, we would love to see you on the inside of the Profit Club. You know how to do it. Visit hammerandgrind.com and we'll catch you on the next step.